grateful to be here this morning and in a place of Pastor Derek, and I do hope that uh, you're praying for him as he's on a sabbatical, he and his wife, just getting some uh, time of rest, seeking the Lord's face uh, for just the future of our church, and, and of course that affects each one of us individually as we're connected, so uh, please be praying for Pastor Derek and his family. Uh, excited, Alex going to be teaching tonight, I'm excited for that, and uh, we're going to get right into this. I, you know, just kind of a uh, quick snapshot of my life this morning. I'm looking for my vitamin B12 pills um, so that I've got enough energy for the morning. I don't know how Pastor Derek does it. Uh, three, sometimes four, sometimes five services a week. Uh, and so, but with that being said, I'm looking for it and I, I can't find it. And I, I call for my wife, babe, I, I, can't, I can't find my, my B12 pills. Where are they? Where are they? And she's like, did you look in the cabinet? And I'm like, yes, I looked in the cabinet. They're not here. Where did you put them, right? Because it's always automatically her fault, right? <laughs> and then so it only takes her three seconds to get up. I think she moved something out of the way, and it's, she's like, it's right there. And, and then she says, your daughter is so much like you. And I said, I know. That's why she's going to need Jesus. <laughs> You know, I say that as, a, as an intro, it's funny, but it's the reality. The Bible is filled with unperfect people who need a perfect God. And as we get into the story of Abraham, I am going to exalt Abraham's faith. There's no doubt about that. The Bible exemplifies uh, Abraham's faith. And in fact, it says it was by Abraham's faith that it was accredited to him as righteousness. And so it is with us. And so we're going to analyze Abraham and his faith and how that operated and how we ought to imitate that. But I got I to gotta level the playing ground before we walk away thinking, man, Abraham was this, uh, he set the bar that I could never attain because that's not the reality. Abraham's life is filled with mistakes. Uh, I, I think in some sense we could even say Abraham's life was filled with faithfulness, faithlessness. Um, but thank God that, that uh, all it takes is a mustard seed of faith and that God accredits to us more than we ever really brought to the table. He brings himself. We simply give up what is not worthy of him in the first place. And, and he takes that in exchange, our unrighteousness for his righteousness. So Abraham was a man just like you and I. Abraham had faults and failures just like you and I. Abraham doubted just like you and I. Just one quick uh, incident, uh, if you're aware of the story of Abraham, God gave him a promise when he was 75 years old that he would have a seed and from that seed that the entire world would be blessed. And so he was to trust God that his wife would one day become pregnant with this child that would eventually bring in the Messiah of the world, Jesus Christ. And, you know, Abraham did trust God, but he wavered along the way. And yet, ironically, when you read the scriptures, it said he had unwavering faith. Uh, God doesn't look at us for how we see ourselves or for the mistakes that we make. He sees Christ in us, and he accredits that as righteousness. And so Abraham faltered along the way, but he, he trusted God. And one of those mistakes is that uh, probably one of the biggest ones in my mind is is that his wife becomes impatient, says, listen, I don't think we're going to have this child. They've been waiting for some time now. And he sa she says, why don't you sleep with our servant Hagar, and she'll bear the child that God has promised. 
And oftentimes we find ourselves in the same place, don't we, right? We're believing God for something. It doesn't look like it's going to happen the way we think it should. And so we try to manipulate the situation. But let God be true and every man a liar. God is going to be faithful to what he promised you and I. And I'm going to, I'm going to start with the end and work our way back to the beginning. And what did he promise us? He promised us that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He promised us that he would keep us to the very end. He promised us that what he started, he would finish. He promised us that all of his promises are yes and amen, that he didn't say one thing to us one day and then change his mind the next according to our behavior. But if we would just continue to trust not in our faith, but in his faithfulness, God will accomplish that which he told us. And we have promise after promise after promise. And so like Abraham, we're instructed to believe. If you would, I'm just going to ask, would you mind just standing with me as we read? Uh, we're going to read two passages of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 11. I'll give you a second to open up your Bible there. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read verses 8 through 10 and 17 through 19. Hebrews 11:8 says, "By faith Abraham obeyed." Somebody say, obeyed. "Obeyed." When he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Skip down now to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, and Isaac, your seed, shall be called. Concluding that God was able, somebody say God was able. <laughs> Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Let me pray and you can be seated. Father, we thank you for this word. I pray, Lord, that wherever we're at in our walk of faith, uh, God, that you would just impart faith to us, that you would increase our faith. Father, would you help us to keep our eyes on every precious promise that you've given us in Christ? And if we're not sure what those promises are, may you make them very clear this morning that we would walk out with our faith strengthened and our eyes on Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So there's just three questions that I want to ask real quickly about Abraham. That's what we're going to analyze this morning. Number one is how did Abraham become a man of faith? There's got to be a starting ground. How did it happen? If we're going to have the kind of faith that exemplifies Abraham's faith, then, then where did it come from and how do I get it? Is faith attainable? In other words, if I feel like I don't have faith, is there a way that I can get it? The answer is yes. We'll get into that. Second question I, I want to approach this morning is, what did Abraham's faith compel him to do? So what does genuine faith look like? How does it operate? And then the third question is, what did Abraham believe about God? So faith is a cute little word. The world loves to use it. We have faith in, um, you know, everything, it seems like these days, right? But what does biblical faith look like? Faith is is, uh, is a belief about God. And what does faith believe about God? What did Abraham believe? And what should we believe? 
So those are the three questions we're going to address this morning. I'm going to just jump right into the first one. Um, how did Abraham become a man of faith? And again, that's important to you and I because we want to ask the question, if I'm lacking faith, can I get it? Is there a place to go? Well, first of all, let's just start with the bare ground. All of us are walking on the same platform. The, the, the playing ground is level, you could say. Why? Because Abraham did not start off a believer. Now, there are some people in this room um, who might say, I was born a believer. You, you were not born a believer, right? Everybody with me? We, we go over this in my evangelism class. We just want to make it loud and clear because the, uh, the next progressive step to that would be to say, I don't really have a testimony. Well, the Bible says that you were brought out of darkness into his marvelous light, which means you were once in darkness. It's, talking, it's not talking about your mother's womb, okay? It's talking about the darkness of sin, the sin nature that we were born in, and Jesus said that we must be born again. Now, not everybody can recount the moment that they were born again. I get that. Maybe it happened at a young age that you can't recall, but the Bible says that you heard the word of God, you trusted and believed, and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Everybody gets saved the exact same way, which is to say that everybody has the same starting ground, and that starting ground is unbelief. Somebody say it with me, unbelief. At one point, ladies and gentlemen, you were an unbeliever, right? I, I know, I know it's hard to believe. You were an unbeliever, and you heard the gospel, and in that moment, you put your faith and trust in Christ. Now, there may be others in this room this morning. It's not hard to believe at all. You came in here as an unbeliever. You know that you're an unbeliever, and thank God that you're here this morning because there's a starting ground that we all started on, and it's the same starting ground as Abraham. Look what it says in Joshua 24, verses 2 through 4. It says, Thus the Lord God of Israel... Thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the, fa uh, the father of Abraham and father of Naor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. So where was Abraham when God called him? Well, we know without a shadow of a doubt that he and his family were serving other gods. Now, that's not a, a, a mere lack of ignorance. You know, oh, well, he didn't know any better. The Bible says, no, he did know better. The Bible says that God has manifested uh, his glory through creation, that all creation knows that there is a God. Well, well, yeah, but he worshiped uh, other gods. Well, I mean, when you really look at that for what it says, that, that means he kneeled down and he worshipped idols. No man can worship an idol without his own conscience convicting him. Are you with me? Because as he goes down to worship that idol, his conscience says to him, you know that that didn't make you because your grandfather made it. And so the Bible says that what may be known about God is evident to them in Romans 1, but it says they suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. In other words, as their conscience is convicting them, they simply ignore the truth. Why? Because, well, if I obey God, he might call me out of my land. Are you, are you with me? And therefore, uh, pagan worship is not a matter of ignorance. Pag pagan worship is a matter of rebellion. It's a sinful heart. 
Now, I paint that picture not to condemn Abraham because God didn't condemn Abraham. I paint that picture to say that Abraham had the same starting ground as you and me, a life of rebellion. And when God calls us, if we'll follow, we begin a life of faith. And can I just insert in, in here real quickly that that can begin for somebody this morning. And I believe that's why God sent me to preach this morning. So I come with anticipation. Uh, Romans 3.10, just to solidify that thought, says, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. There's the starting ground. All of us start there. I know some of us like to think that we came out of the womb just, the womb just loving Jesus, right? I have always loved Jesus. We, we've had the greatest relationship, right? No, he knew you, but you didn't know him. There is none who seeks after God. They all have turned aside. Somebody say all. All, all, all means all. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, and just in case we wanted to break down the word none and be like, well, actually in the Greek, right, like, um, <laughs> Paul makes it very clear to us because he says it again, there is none who do does good, no, not one. That's why the Bible is called, that's why the gospel is called good news, because all of us start from this place of rebellion, and all of us have the same opportunity to come to faith. Now, we talked about where we started, but we didn't talk about where faith comes from. How do you attain it? Is it something to be grasped? If I'm lacking it, how can I get more of it? And, and believe it or not, and, and I assume you believe it, that there's, a, there's an answer to that. Faith can be attained. If you're lacking it, you can get more of it. How so? Well, I, th I think I'm skipping ahead of my notes, so let me, <laughs> let, me, let me slow down just a little bit. First of all, Abraham received a promise. So the way that we get faith is by receiving a promise. In Genesis 12, 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, your kindred, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all the families of the earth, you know that includes you and me, right? That all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. That promise is, of course, looking forward to Christ who would come through the lineage of Abraham and Christ dying for the sins of the world that now we inherit the promises of God. The, the, uh, here's a little quote for you. It just simply says, the starting place of faith always begins with a messenger, a preacher of God's word. It's very simple, I know, not, not very profound, but it is. Where does faith come from? It comes from believing in the promises of God. And the starting place of faith always begins with a messenger, a preacher of God's word. Now, I know that uh, many of us will, will cling to somebody else's testimony who said that they had a dream and there was no preacher available, and so God brought somebody to them, and, and I'm not doubting that those things happen and that God does speak to people in that way. But if you look through a biblical lens, you'll see that nobody ever comes to saving faith outside of a preacher. 
And if you'll listen hard enough to these people who say that they had testimonies where nobody preached to them, uh, really, if you keep listening, they'll eventually tell you how somebody came to them and preached. <laughs> Are you with me? The evidence is that they're on camera. They couldn't be on camera and have access to that without, without the same access to hearing the gospel. But the major evidence is the scriptures. Look, at, look with me at Romans 10, 14. These are rhetorical questions, meaning uh, they all deserve an answer, and the answer is given in the question. If you could put it up on the screen, Romans 10, 14. I hope, I hope there's not too many verses for you this morning. No? No, we love the word of God, right? All right. Is it not on there? Did, oh, no, I, I just put the last verse on there. So let me just read this. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? This is Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? The answer is they won't. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? The answer is they can't. They cannot believe in Christ whom they have not heard. How then shall they hear without a preacher? The answer is they can't. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And the answer is they won't. Now, the context of Romans 10, right before verse 14, it says, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So in the context, it's talking about salvation. And so what it's asking is how can they be saved unless they hear about Christ? They won't. And how can they be uh, and, and how can they hear about Christ unless somebody preaches to them? And then it ends by saying this. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring the glad tidings of good things. In other words, if this is the way of salvation, that men must believe in the promises of God, and the only way that they can come to know the promises of God is that somebody goes and preaches to them, then how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news? I want you to put yourself in that situation. Where would you be today if somebody hadn't been faithful with the message of Jesus Christ? I can't speak for you. I can speak for me. I know where I would be. And I don't want to get into my whole testimony because many of you know it, but I was, I was headed the wrong way fast. And I wouldn't be here preaching the gospel. That's for sure, for sure, right? For sure, for sure. But then it ends by saying this, but they have, they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, watch this. So then, faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. Woo! We know that, right? We know that. Wait, 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 wait. But that answers so many deep, heavy questions. Like, Lord, I'm lacking faith. Like, is there somewhere I can go to get faith? Yeah, you go to the word of God. You ever notice that after Pastor Derek is done preaching, that you, you walk out feeling a little more enlightened, Right? But, but enlightened is not the word. Uh, your faith has been strengthened. I mean, that's really what happens. And then maybe throughout the week, some things happen, and the devil gets in your mind and in your ear, and somebody says something to you, rubs you the wrong way. You come back to church, you hear the word of God preached, and hopefully that's not the only time you're hearing the word of God preached, because then your faith is being strengthened on Sunday, but who knows what's happening Monday and Tuesday, right? And that's why we have these things called daily devos, right? 
We don't have daily devos because we just think we're better than everybody else and we got our priorities in order and I'm a man and woman of God and so I read the Bible on a daily basis. No, we, we read because we know that without reading we begin to waver and we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I run back to the scriptures. I run back to some, you know, maybe you have a podcast that you're listening to, but, but namely, make, we're making sure that we're getting the word of God ingrained in us because we know that this is where faith comes from. And we know that if we're going to stand against the enemy, we're going to stand and wage war with the word of God. Amen. So how did Abraham become a man of faith? Well, there it is. It's simple. He, God spoke to him. He heard God's word. And faith came by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And that's why I simply said that there are some of you here this morning that you may not be a man or woman of faith, but this morning you're hearing the word of God, which means the starting ground is the same for all of us. For it says that God is not far from you. He's very near you. His word is in your mouth and in your hearts. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I, I, I can just, I just sense that somebody might be still lingering on to what I said a moment ago. Well, what about those that, that, don't, that don't hear? And, and I, well, I got news for you. This is why we need to go preach the gospel. So if that, if that wrenches your heart, let it wrench your heart for missions. Let it wrench your heart to go and preach the gospel. And it's not just those in foreign countries that need to hear the gospel. It's our co-workers. It's our families. Amen. Second question is, uh, what did Abraham's faith compel him to do? So faith, the starting ground of faith is hearing the word of God. What, now, what happens when we have faith? What does genuine faith do? How does it respond? Again, verse 8 says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. I love that. So simple. He heard the word and he obeyed. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Genesis 12, 4 simply says this. Uh, after Abraham was given the promise uh, in, in, uh, through verses 3, and then the next verse in uh, verse 4 says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had directed him, and Lot, his nephew, went with him. So there it is. He heard the word, and immediately, what did he do? He obeyed. He departed. He, he left his family, and he went to go pursue the Lord's will. Sometimes God will call us into places that may uh, put us at odds with our family, but we have to ask ourselves the question, uh, who is it that I'm to obey, to obey you or God? And of course, you know, you want to be careful how you say that. Otherwise, you sound really cocky and arrogant, right? And we want them to see that God is a God of love and grace. But we also want to see them to see that because he's so gracious and good that he's worthy of obeying. Uh, I want to just speak to the men here for a second. I'd be amiss on Father's Day if I, if I didn't speak to the men. I, I think about the impact of following God. The men, the, the, if, as we begin to follow God, we are, we're going to impact those around us. Uh, I think about the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, Paul and Silas. Here's two men. They're in prison for the gospel, and they're singing. And they're, they're, they're crying out to the Lord, and as they're singing and, and rejoicing, the other inmates are hearing them. They're listening, and all of a sudden, the ground begins to shake. 
and the and and the uh, the gates slide open and their chains fall off. And there was a, a, a jailer there who was in charge of making sure that you know the inmates were um, inmates, right? And so immediately he realizes, oh snap, uh, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a dead man, <laughs> I'm a dead man. So he takes his sword and he begins to put it to himself. He's going to kill himself. And Paul uh, calls out to him and says, hey hey listen, don't do that. And it says. And, and he asked them, what must I do to be saved? And Paul shares with them the gospel. And then it says, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, the jailer did. And immediately he, and watch this, and all his family were baptized. This man was not a believer. And as he decided in that moment, I'm, I'm going to believe, I'm going to put my faith and trust in the God of, of Paul and Silas. Not only did he get baptized, but his family got baptized. Not only did he become a follower of Christ, but his family became a follower of Christ. Which, you know, if I were to say that in the negative, had he, not, if, had he chosen to kill himself, would his family have followed? The next verse I think about is Acts, Chen, Acts chapter 10. You have Cornelius who is, uh, he, he's a man. He doesn't know the gospel. He is not yet saved. He, he is not yet filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he hasn't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, he, he devotely follows God to the measure of the knowledge that he has of God, which, by the way, this also speaks to us that, uh, that if somebody is genuinely seeking the Lord, they will uh, hear the gospel. Did, did you hear what I said there? Because I, I teach this in my evangelism class. I didn't say that if they genuinely follow the measure of God that they know, in other words, I, I know that there's a creator. I'm not going to bow down to the idol. I'm going to worship the God of creation. I don't yet know uh, that he's in the image of Christ to be worshipped, right? So I'm going to worship what I do know. I didn't say that they'll be saved. I said that God will bring them the gospel. On what basis do you say that? Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. Ask and you shall receive. And if the way of salvation is the gospel, then the logical conclusion is that anybody seeking will find, and the means by which they find is the preaching of the gospel. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if anybody was thinking, well, wait, wait a minute, what about that person that's genuinely seeking God? And the answer is God will bring them the gospel. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, guess what that means for you and me? Because who's going to preach? We are. His faith compelled him to go. And men, as we follow God, God is going to uh, use us. Watch this. In, in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius uh, has a vision. He's devout to God, but he needs to hear the gospel in order to be saved. So God calls him to send for Peter. Peter simultaneously is having a vision that he needs to go to this house of Cornelius. And so he goes and Cornelius says, hey, whatever it is that God has given you to say, I only know that you were supposed to come and share, but I don't know what it is that you're going to share. So please open up your mouth and declare to us what it is that God has to say. And from the beginning to the end, Peter begins to unfold the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for the sins of the world, that he was resurrected on the third day, that he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says, watch this, the Bible says that, uh, by the way, that Cornelius had brought all of his relatives and close friends to hear it. 
And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And then Peter was like, well, you already have the Holy Spirit. Should these not get baptized who now have the Holy Spirit? And they all got baptized. Uh, last quick example, I just think about uh, Peter's mom where Jesus comes in and his mother-in-law and, and Jesus heals him, her, excuse me. And, uh, you know, listen, not only, does, not only does grace come to our family, grace even comes to our in-laws. Come on, somebody. <laughs> somebody, somebody needs, <laughs> you need some grace for your in-laws, right? <laughs> I said, you need grace for your in-laws. Not your in-laws need grace. But my point being is that as men, as we, I, I just want to encourage some men in here. It's not too late. It's not, that's why we started where we started. It's not too late. doesn't matter where you're at. doesn't matter where, where you, what you've been through. Men, if you and I will follow God, we'll impact those around us. In fact, let me, let me change that. God will impact those around us. All we need to do is just love Jesus. We don't need to tell our wives how to love Jesus. We don't need to make our kids love Jesus because guess what? I've tried that for a season. It didn't work. I learned that I, I can't make my wife love Jesus. I can't make my kids love Jesus. But when I just set my heart to loving Jesus, I realized I became a better father, a better husband, and I started seeing the fruit of the Spirit in my children and my kids. And we're still on a journey, so please pray for us, right? But you get what, you get what I'm saying. When, uh, when God calls a man or a woman or child to follow him, he does not always tell them where they're going. There are no details about how the journey will fail, fare, what obstacles they shall be met with, how long the journey will be, who will betray them along the way, or even why he should choose to go the route they're going, but only gives them a simple promise that he will get them there. If God should promise the end, then we should have no need to worry about the hardships faced in the middle. For whatever may be, we know that where we will end up for, excuse me, let me say that over. For whatever may be, we know where we will end up. That is faith, a childlike resolution in the heart that trusts no matter what. I, I, I said in there that uh, God has already promised the end. I want to just show you a, a, a verse real quick. I know you're familiar with it, but if we could just kind of relish in it this morning. This is in Romans chapter 8, and look at what it says here. It says, for he who for... Uh, for whom he foreknew, for whom he foreknew, whom is us in Christ, he is God, that God foreknew. It's not saying he foreknew our faith. It's saying he foreknew what he was going to do on our behalf before we even had faith. Are you with me? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, there's something that I just love about these words. They're big words. They have a lot of meaning. God calls us to himself. He justifies us. He makes us righteous. And then one day we're going to be glorified. We're going to receive glorified bodies. We're going to know him as he fully knows us. Are you with me? But if you take a look at all those words, are they in present tense or past? Past tense. 
He called them. He justified them. He glorified them. In other words, your salvation and the work of God is so secure in your life that God talks about it in past tense. My, my, my point in, in saying that is just to say, if God has promised us the end, he promised he's going to be faithful to the very end, right? And if he promised us he's going to be faithful to the very end, then we don't know, need to know all the details of what's going to happen in between. We just know that the God who calls is faithful. I don't know why I got so silent in here, but I'm, 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 I'm just sharing with you the truth. It's the same truth Pastor Derek preaches every Sunday. Lastly, I just want to ask this question. What did Abraham's faith believe about God? So if we're, if we're going to believe, we see how faith operates. We see, we see its starting ground. It, it hears the word of God. We see its consequences. It obeys. Genuine faith obeys. That's pretty standard, right? Like, doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. You would, think, you would think it doesn't, but it, it does. We live in a generation where a lot of people just say they have faith, but there's no obedience. Obedience is not something you have to do. Obedience is something you will do by nature of faith. That's how faith operates. And he's working in you to enable you. It's the evidence of his power working in you. Obedience. What did Abraham's but, but if we're going to obey, what is it we're going to obey? What did Abraham believe about God? We'll begin to close here. As we read in verse 17, it said, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, And Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So here it is real quickly. Uh, Abraham now has the promise. Uh, Sarah eventually did ha get, get pregnant with Isaac. Uh, Abraham has this son Isaac whom he knows that the promise given to him in, uh, in Isaac your seed shall be called. In other words, it, it's through Isaac. Make no mistake about it, Abraham. It's through Isaac that Abraham, uh, excuse me, that uh, the Messiah is going to come into the world. Now, uh, Abraham, I want you to go on the mountaintop and I want you to sacrifice your son. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you promised me my son. I've waited for 25 years. Now I've got my son and you're telling me to sacrifice him. But yet it's through my son that the Messiah is going to come. If I sacrifice my son, I sacrifice the promise. Isn't that what you and I would think? You know, that's not what Abraham thought at all. Let me read it again. It says, it says uh, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. And therefore, Abraham concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham was so confident that God is faithful to his word. You know, I, maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't, probably not, if you've been in Calvary Chapel. I've said this to a lot of people at Calvary Chapel, and every one of them is like, I have no idea what you're talking about, and it's because we hear the gospel, and, and, it's, and it's good, and it's, and it's proper, and it's in context, right? But I've, I've come from other churches. I'm not saying that we're the best church, right? I'm just saying I've been to other churches where maybe the gospel wasn't always preached in 
in truth. And here's what I've heard. I've heard uh, God tested Abraham. I heard this a lot growing up. God tested Abraham to see if Abraham loved God more than the promise. And so he says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice the promise because I want to see if you love me. But when I go back to the scriptures, I see that's not what was in God's thought at all. And that's definitely not what was in Abraham's thought. Because Abraham knew that when God promises, he doesn't say yes and then, oh, I changed my mind. But God's promises are yes and amen. That God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should change his mind. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying Abraham knew that God was so faithful to his promise, the only way he could make sense of what God was asking him to do is he says, okay, uh, if I got to sacrifice my son, the only way that this makes sense is um, my son has to live in order for the promise to come to pass. God doesn't change his mind, so God's going to raise him from the dead. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to sacrifice my son. God's, God's going to raise him. And by the way, his son was supposed to be a, a burnt offering, which means that uh, there was nothing. There was going to be nothing left. Abraham still believed that God was going to raise him back up. You know, you know, mama used to say, I brought you into this world. I can take you out, right? <laughs> Abraham said, well, God brought him in. God can take him out. God can bring him back again. And in that sense, Abraham did receive him from the dead because when he went to go raise his knife and bring it down, he heard a voice from heaven say, Abraham, stop, look up. And he looked up and there was a ram in the bush. There's the sacrifice. Abraham was so confident that God was going to be faithful to his promise that on his way, he told his servants, hey, we're going back up and me and the boy will come back down again. He knew he was coming back down with his son. So where does that leave you and I? Here's where it leaves us. We need to believe that God is faithful to his promise. We need, you don't have to put these up on the screen because we're out of time, but let me, let me just uh, read these to you. Uh, the Bible says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God, it says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We have to believe that when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. We have to believe that when the scripture says, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need, that God meant what he said. Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you? Do you believe that he loves you on your good day just as much as he loves you on your worst day? Do you believe he loves you when you wake up and do your Bible Devo and even that day when you slept in? Do you believe he loves you just the same? We, we got to believe. We got to believe that God is who he says he is. And he does what he says he'll do. And what did he say? He says he loves us. So much so that he sent his son to die on the cross. My encouragement to you this morning is let us trust God with unwavering faith for all of his promises in Christ. And that's it. Amen. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you for your promises in Scripture. First of all, we thank you for just calling us to this walk of faith. We thank you, Lord, that you have been merciful and kind to us while we were in our sin. That you didn't give us what we deserved, but instead you met us right where we were at. In the midst of our rebellious heart, in the midst of our even worship of pagans, if you will, whatever that looked like for each one of us individually. And yet you came to us and made us a promise. The promise is that if we would look to Jesus, you would save us. The promise is that if we would trust your love for us, this love that compelled Christ to go to the cross, that you would deliver us, not only from our sins, but you would provide for us. As you promised, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added. So Lord, it's today that we call upon your name. I'm just going to do a, a call of faith this morning. It's a very general call. And I'm not going to do an altar call. I'm not going to have you come to the front. But I, I do want you to take that step of faith to, to, to make a physical act of obedience. And so if you believe God is calling him, calling you to himself this morning, we're just going to pray together. But I'm, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and just stand to your feet. If you're... If you've never given your life to Jesus, and this morning you've heard the word of God preached, and you say, that's good enough, that, that's starting ground for me. I'll take God at his word, I'll believe. If that's you this morning, as a step of faith, would you just stand up? Abraham obeyed. Would you obey this morning? God bless you. God bless you. I see you gentlemen. God bless you. Amen. Back there, I see you. God sees you. God bless you. It says they heard the word of God. That's my part this morning, anyways, to preach it. They trusted and believed. That's your part trust and believe. So just one last time, if there's anybody else in this room and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, this morning is the morning to do that. Would you just stand up right to your feet? second call is um, you're a believer but you know like Abraham that God is calling you into unknown territory and it's, it's scary and you might be scared but the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight and so regardless of what our feelings say regardless of what our circumstances say we say, God, I'm going to take you at your word. And so if you're a believer this morning, 
and you just sense that uh, this is for you in the sense that God is speaking to your heart. He's calling you forward saying, son, daughter, it's time to go to the next level. And as a step of faith, you say, God, I hear you and I'm willing to follow. If that's you, would you just stand to your feet? Just would love to pray for you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you as well. I see you. God bless you. Praise God. I see you back there. Just one more moment. If your heart feels like it's beating out of your chest, that may be a sign that that God is wrestling with you. God bless you. Amen. Right where you're standing, God sees you. He sees the step of faith that you've just taken. I want to just pray real quickly for those that have given their life to Christ for the first time. And if you're a believer, you can say this with me as well. We're just going to pray together. Say this with me. God, I trust you. I take you at your word. I believe that you're faithful. I believe you sent your son to die for me. As a free gift. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But I receive it. Forgive me of my sins in Jesus' name. Amen. For the rest of you who are, are standing, and, and let me just pray for us. Father God, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, continue to finish the work that you've begun in our lives. God, help us like Abraham to have unwavering faith that we trust you, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. God, your word is the solid rock that we stand upon. Help us to build our lives upon it. And I pray for the fathers represented here this morning, God, that you would strengthen them. God, that you would help us to follow you, to, to love our wives or, or love our children, whatever is in our capacity, God, that we would just exemplify your goodness, your grace, your mercy would flow from us, that we would be men of faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.